0: we want to welcome you again this morning. Welcome to New Life Church and to our friends. Welcome to all our our online guests today as well. Um, Eight weeks, Pedro mentioned, this has been eight weeks since we have been um, in lockdown or in isolation, self-quarantine. This is our eighth week that we have not been able to meet together as a church Um, and being apart for a long time um, can certainly be discouraging. My youngest son said to me this week, Dad, I'm really missing people, and I can fully understand what he meant by that, and I can fully resonate with him. Uh, We are missing you all, and we're looking forward to the day that we can be together. And I hope this morning that you'll be encouraged. We pray that you'll be Um, encouraged by the Word of God in our study from Luke's Gospel. And today we are in the sixth chapter. We continue teaching verse by verse through this wonderful Gospel. And Luke introduced Jesus to his readers in chapter 1. We already saw that. And then in Luke chapter 4, he described the ministry of Jesus as it began. And now Luke records for us the, the growing opposition in Jesus' ministry in In chapter 6, especially from the the Jewish leaders. And in our text today, we see yet another incident of this growing opposition from the the Pharisees who were criticizing Jesus. And this particular incident took place on a Sabbath day. In this passage, Luke is revealing something significant about the hearts of the Pharisees. This is not just about the, the Pharisees. This passage forces us to examine our own hearts and our own attitudes towards the Lord's day. Please turn with me to Luke chapter 6, as we read together from verse 1 to 11. On a Sabbath, while he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? Verse 3, And Jesus answered them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and also gave it to those with him? And he said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Verse 6, On another Sabbath, He entered the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their hearts, and he said to the man with the withered hand, Come and stand here. And he rose and stood there. And Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good? or to do harm, to save life, or to destroy it. And after looking around at them, all he said to him, Stretch out your hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored. But they were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. In the latest article, which I wrote in the pastor's pen, I used a quote by John MacArthur, and he said, Worship on the Lord's Day should be the crowning joy of our week. It's our opportunity to engage our minds toward God, to enjoy His people, to bask in His presence, to corporately drink from His Word, to give our talents and resources, to encourage and to be encouraged, to offer praise. I also mentioned in that article... It's true what they say, that you don't know what you have until it is gone. I hope you, like me, have been feeling the loss of our corporate gatherings on the Lord's Day. And our passage this morning deals with the subject of the the Lord's Day. And maybe the Lord has brought us providentially to this text this morning during this pandemic pandemic when we are not able to gather on the Lord's Day so that we can examine our hearts and learn from the Scriptures why the Lord's Day is so special and so important to us as Christians. Over 150 years ago, J.C. Ryle, the, the Bishop of Liverpool, he said, our Sundays and how we use them is one of the most sure signs of our spiritual condition." And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. We're going to be looking at the Lord's Day and how we, we use it. So obviously here in the Middle East, the Lord's Day is not on a Sunday. It's on a Friday. And that's okay. In Exodus chapter 20, where the Sabbath command is given in verse 8, we are told to keep the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And what that Sabbath command is, is don't forget to take a day off. In Exodus 20, verse 9, the, the scripture continues, Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day you are to keep for the Lord your God. So in other words, work six, rest one. Work six and rest one. That's the pattern prescribed in the, in the Ten Commandments. But notice that it does not say that the Sabbath or the rest day has to be the last day of the week or the first day of the week. Weeks aren't even mentioned. The concept of week is, is not there. And the command is simply work six, day, work six days and rest one day. And every sev- seventh day shall be a Sabbath. Our Sabbath here in the Middle East is a Friday. In Exodus 20 verse 8, we are commanded to keep the Sabbath, remember the Sabbath, but to keep it holy. Keep it holy. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to keep a day holy, to keep a Sabbath holy? Well, it means to set it aside from all the other days. Set the Sabbath aside as a a special day. And then in verse 10, specifically, it tells us to keep it aside for the Lord. Keep it to the Lord or for the Lord. In other words, the, the rest is not just to be aimless. It's not just to be done in, on a beach somewhere or on a bed somewhere. A rest is to be centered in Christ. It has to be a God-centered rest. And attention is to be directed to God in a way that is, that is more concentrated and steady than on ordinary days when we are so busy, when we don't get the time to concentrate on the Lord and the things of the Lord. And that's what the scripture is saying. Keep the day holy by keeping your focus on the Lord. So The question this morning we need to ask ourselves as the passage really forces us to is how are we keeping the Lord's day? How are you observing the Lord's day? How do you use your, your Lord's day? What's at the heart of your Lord's day? Well, Luke is really revealing something about the the hearts of these Pharisees and what was their experience for their Sabbath. But this also forces us to look at our own hearts and and to ask how we use the Lord's Day. Well, let's look first at what Jesus says is the fundamental problem with the, the Pharisees' approach to the Sabbath day. And really, there are two stories that are here about the Sabbath. And the first one we find is in verse 1 to verse 5. And my first point is simply, Jesus, Lord of the Sabbath. So Jesus' disciples here are hungry. We can see they, they're ministering on the Lord's Day. And they're walking through a grain field. And as they walk through the grain field, they, they just pick the heads of the grain and they eat. Well, look there, it says in verse 2, But some of the Pharisees said, Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him. Now, we need to understand that the Pharisees were angry about a a tradition that was broken. The, the, The Pharisees were angry because the disciples of Jesus were working, were picking grain and rubbing it together. They weren't stealing. They were allowed to do this. This was allowed by even the, the law. But they were complaining about a tradition or an extra-biblical teaching that they had added to the Scriptures, that they felt were more important to observe than the Scriptures themselves. And so what we have here firstly is the Pharisees accusing the disciples of the Lord Jesus of being Sabbath breakers. And Jesus responds to this harassing question with with a stinging introduction, a stinging answer. He says there in verse 3, have you not even read? Of course, the Pharisees should have read that, and he knew that. The Pharisees were professional students of the law, and this was their high calling in life. This was their claim to fame. And Jesus began by asking these scholars if they, had even, if they had even read the text which he had referred to. And really it's Jesus' way of saying, your question reveals a very poor understanding of the scriptures. And these words must have come as a slap in the face to these proud Pharisees and these proud students of the law. And what Jesus was referring to was a passage in the Old Testament the story of David when he was on the run. And this was during a very bad time in Israel's history. And David was a a fugitive against the forces of Saul and against the, the forces of the invading Philistines. And David and his band of soldiers, they were starving. And he went to Ahimelech. Um, at, at Nob, and he said, do you have any food that, that you can give me? And the priest said, you know, I, I don't have any food here. The only food that I have here is, is the showbread. It's the bread of presence that sits be, before the Lord, and only priests are allowed to, to take this showbread. And David said to the priest, but me and my men are starving. And you know what the priest did? He gave them the showbread. He allowed them to eat it. So Jesus' point is that legitimate human need, we're talking about hunger here, and it's directly related to to the disciples' hunger. Legitimate human need supersedes the ceremonial laws. People take precedence over rituals. People take precedence over ceremonies. Remember, the ceremonial laws were there for ceremonies. That's all that they were there for. They were not the moral laws which people weren't allowed to negotiate on. The ceremonial laws were not equal to the moral law which Moses had given to to them. And that ceremonial law that said the showbread is only for the priest was trumped by the, the moral necessity of obeying the second great commandment which is love your neighbor as yourself. You can't love God without loving your neighbor. These critics were probably thinking and about ready to ask, now what makes you think that, that you can compare yourself with David? But then Jesus gives them a stunning answer, a stunning claim in, in verse 5. Look at the passage in verse 5. He says, that He is the Son of Man, that He is the Lord of the Sabbath. So, By telling the Pharisees that He is the the Son of Man, Jesus was in fact claiming to be God. And as God, He is the Lord of the Sabbath. For He in fact created the Sabbath. You see the logical sequence there. God created the Sabbath back in in Genesis chapter 2. Remember, after he was done creating the world, Genesis chapter 2, verse 2 tells us that he rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. And then God blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy. So this is all God's work. And surprisingly, Jesus' statement that he is Lord of, of the Sabbath was, was confusing to the Pharisees. But even more surprising, it's confusing to many people today. You know, there's some people who claim because Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, because of his statement here, that we can sweep aside the Sabbath. And some Christians have the impression that Jesus was saying that the Sabbath no longer matters. It doesn't matter. Even though he's Lord of the Sabbath, it doesn't matter. And as Lord of the Sabbath, he can do whatever he wanted And what he wanted to do was eliminate the the obligation to keep it as a day of worship and rest. But that is not what Jesus is saying. In fact, by saying that he was Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus was not only making claim to to deity that he was in fact God, but he was also affirming the abiding continuation of this fourth commandment. God gave Moses the fourth commandment at Mount Sinai. And God established the law of working for six days and then resting for one. Because he is God, Jesus is sovereign over the Sabbath. And Jesus preserved that commandment. My second point this morning is in verse 6 to 11. And we see here Jesus healing on the Sabbath. The second story is in this passage as well. And before we see the healing, notice where Jesus is. Verse 6 tells us, on another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. Of course, this was Jesus' normal pattern. On the Sabbath day, where is Jesus? He is in the synagogue. He is corporately worshiping with the people of God. And if Jesus is our example, that's where we ought to be every Lord's Day, in corporate worship with the people of God. So that's the setting there. But look at verse 7. There's a man present as Jesus is teaching in the synagogue on this particular Sabbath day, and he has a a withered hand. Verse 7 says, the scribes and the Pharisees watched him. They were watching Jesus to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find reason to accuse him. You see what's going on here? The Pharisees maybe, we don't know, have even planted this man there with a withered hand to see what Jesus would do to try and catch him. And Of course, Jesus is there. And the Pharisees said, well, it's okay to heal someone if they're in danger of dying on the Sabbath, but it's not okay to heal somebody on the Sabbath. Now again, there's no such teaching in the Scriptures that says that. This was one of these extra-biblical um, teachings and moral lessons that these Pharisees had added to the, to the Scriptures. And unfortunately, they were misinterpreting the Scriptures. This was based on their interpretation of what the Scriptures, this was based on their traditions, the Pharisees' traditions, on the, on the traditions of the, the rabbis and the scribes. This wasn't based on the Word of God. The Pharisees, unfortunately, were not very concerned for this man who had gone through life with with this pain and this withered hand, this outcast. No. They wanted to use this man so that they could accuse God, so that they could catch him of trying to break the law according to their interpretation. We're told in, in verse 8 that Jesus, he knew their thoughts. He knew their thoughts, so he knew their intentions and he knew their schemes to accuse him. And, and, and think about this for a moment. Think about how easy it would have been for, for our Lord to have avoided this conflict, even if he knew about it, especially because he knew about it. You know, he could have privately instructed the man to, to meet him outside or to go to an, another place at another time where he could... He could heal him so that Jesus could avoid this this attack from the the Pharisees. But Jesus doesn't do this. Look at verse 8. Instead, it tells us that he said to the man with the withered hand, come and stand here. Jesus is intentionally trying to address this issue. He's trying to address the problem in these Pharisees' hearts, Jesus wanted to face this issue head on. He wasn't going to avoid it. So he calls for this man to come forward. And it, the Bible tells us, in, in sight of all, Jesus washed, uh, G, Jesus was, was wi- wishing to make an issue of healing this man on the Sabbath. And here was the very heart of the conflict between Jesus and his opponents verse 9, Jesus asks this question to the Pharisees. Is the Sabbath given to make man miserable or as a source of blessing? Is the Sabbath given for man's blessing or to be a burden? Is the Sabbath a time for doing good or for doing evil? That's really what Jesus is asking here. What was the Sabbath for? If the Sabbath was for good, then doing good on the Lord's day could hardly be wrong. If the Sabbath was not given as a blessing for man, then doing good on the Sabbath would be wrong. It was as simple as that. Why was the Sabbath given? For good or for evil? Well, Jesus answered the question by His deeds, by His actions, by what He does next. He instructs this man to stretch out his hand. And notice there, Dr. Luke tells us it was his right hand. Of course, this is the doctor giving us all the details. And he stretches out his right hand. And what happens when he does this? It was healed. It was healed. And I have to smile because Jesus actually did nothing other than just speak at this point. He did not reach out. And, and touch the man's hand. He did not even command the man to be whole. He instructed him simply to hold out his hand. And of course, as he did that, he became whole. So technically, technically speaking here, the way in which Jesus performed this miracle kept him from breaking even these Pharisees' strict and legalistic rules. But the Pharisees are not amused, as we see. The Pharisees are not happy anyway. And they were seething with anger, verse 11 tells us. And they went off in a huff to, to plan among themselves as to what they might do to Jesus. The Pharisees are now the bitter enemies of Jesus. They were seething with anger. They're not interested in following Him or even having any discussions with Him anymore. They are no longer open To the possibility that he may be the Messiah. They only wish to be rid of him. And now they start to plot to kill him. The Sabbath controversy was for them the last straw. Notice that. This was the issue. The Sabbath law. My last point this morning is the Sabbath day blessing. And in the story here, in our text this morning... In this narrative, we have two cases in which Jesus and his disciples are falsely accused by the the Pharisees. And in both cases, Jesus responds to them by showing them that the problem that the Pharisees had was not even a misinterpretation of the the Scripture. It was a, a problem with their hearts. It was a deeper problem that they had. Not just in how they read the Scripture or understood the Scripture, But the problem was definitely in their hearts. They missed the whole point. They missed the whole point of God giving the Sabbath to Israel. The Sabbath day was meant to be a blessing from God for His people. And Jesus in Mark chapter 2 said, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was never meant to be a burden. The Sabbath was always meant to be a blessing. Jesus is saying the reason that God invented the Sabbath day in the first place was so that we could be blessed. Remember, He's infinite. He doesn't need to rest. We're finite. We are the ones who need to rest. The Sabbath day was for us. And God provided for us. And even commanded that we rest. Because I'm sure, if you're like me, sometimes we work and work and work to the point of exhaustion. And the Lord knew that. And the Lord knows that. And He commanded this day to be a blessing for us. So that we could neither deprive ourselves or others of the rest that we need. It's a blessing. It's a blessing of God. In this book, called The Tent of Life, written by Leighton Ford. He, points, he, he makes a, a very astute observation, which I thought I would share with you this morning. He says that the burning bushes in our path are signs planted in our life, opportunities to listen and pay attention. How often does God put signs out that we miss because our life is filled with so much stuff. And I think this coronavirus is one of those burning bushes to get our attention, that the Lord has put on our paths. It's an opportunity for us to to listen. It's an opportunity for us to, to pay attention. And here we are in the UAE where we work. And let's be honest, most of us have come here to make an income and that involves performance. It involves meeting deadlines, working, 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 doesn't it? And on top of that, living in the UAE is not cheap. And so we work harder to pay for all the expenses that we incur. And we work hard and, and then we play hard. And for most expect, Friday is not a day of, of rest Friday is a day for leisure and entertainment. And Saturday is the day to recover from that, isn't it? I know one family that that used to come to our church that told me directly that they are no longer coming to our church because Friday is their day to travel, explore, and to have fun. I've even heard people say that that our church services are, are too long. And they wish that we would finish sooner so that they could get on with their weekend. And our lives have, been, have become focused, unfortunately, on the wrong things. And the blessing that the Sabbath was intended to be for our lives has been replaced with business, leisure, entertainment, and the things of this world that consume our affections for Christ that replace our affections for Christ. Now you may be saying at this point, Well hold on, Pastor Gareth, aren't you being the, the legalist here by by saying that we need to be at church on a Friday? You just said that the Sabbath is meant to be a blessing, not to be a burden. And the Sabbath was made for man, not not man for for the Sabbath. So why can't we, we just have our family devotions and skip church and enjoy our weekend as we want? Well, that's what the devil wants. And if you are tempted to think like that, you're missing the point of the Sabbath. You're missing the point of the Sabbath being a blessing for us. The Sabbath was made for us to worship God. The Sabbath was made for us to rest in Christ. The Sabbath was made for us to put the busyness of the week aside so that we can enjoy Christ without the distractions of the world. And there are so many distractions, aren't there, folks? The reason that some people feel the Sabbath to be a burden It's because these these people are not really enjoying what God intended us to enjoy on the Sabbath. Namely, himself. They no longer enjoy Christ. We can miss the point if our hearts aren't right. Because you can't worship the Lord unless your heart is set on the right thing. And the problem began with the Pharisees. Their misinterpretation of the scripture But not just that. The problem was in their hearts being in the wrong place. They missed the whole point of the Sabbath. And Jesus makes that clear. And we can do the same, folks. We can do the exact same thing if Jesus is not Lord of our Sabbath. J.C. Ryle, again, I quote him again, a century and a half ago, over 150 years ago, he said, It is only a few steps down from no Sabbath. To know God. Let me repeat that. Let me repeat that. It is only a few steps down from no Sabbath to no God. In other words, our use of the Lord's day is an indicator of our spiritual health. So, how is our spiritual health? How is your spiritual health this morning? How do you observe the Lord's day? There's a problem when professing Christians enjoy sports, television, secular books, movies, magazines, recreation and hobbies and games, computer games, far more than they enjoy direct interaction with God in His Word or in worship with the body of Christ. When people substitute that blessing of a corporate gathering with other things, there is a problem. There is a problem. People whose hearts are set more on the pleasures of the world than on the enjoyment of God will, will feel the Sabbath command as a burden, not a blessing. This is what John says in his letter. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, he says, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. God has given us His commandments not to make our, our lives confined and burdensome, not to make us unhappy but to give us joy folks they're there to protect us they're there to help us love him more and the measure of our love for God is the measure of the joy that we get in focusing on him on this day of rest and who is the lord of the sabbath that is the essential question who is your lord of the sabbath the Lord of your Lord's day is you, then it's probably not a glorious day. But if the Lord of your Lord's day is the Lord, then it is a wonderful day, a day that you look forward to, a day that you wake up early for, a day that you get dressed nicely for, a day that you can't wait to start, and a day that you look sad, you are sad about when it ends. But If the Lord... Of your Lord's day is yourself or or someone else, or even something else, then it's going to be a miserable day. We live in strange times at the moment. And I know we can't corporately gather together as a body and worship the Lord as the writer of Hebrews exhorts us to. But I want to encourage you not to waste your Sabbath, even during this pandemic. Now be intentional. Use your Fridays to spend meaningfully and joyfully. Look for time that you can spend time with the Lord. Allocate time that you can spend with Him. Let your children see you declaring your allegiance to God. Let your neighbors, let your family, let your spouse, let your company see that God is more important to you than anything else or anyone else in this world. Put the routine of the week aside so that you can enjoy the Lord of the Lord's day. I really do believe that sometimes we don't know what we have until it is gone. And I hope that you like me have been feeling the the loss of our corporate gatherings on the Lord's day. My prayer is that During this time of isolation, we will have had the time to appreciate the local church so much more. To appreciate the body that the Lord has given to us so much more for our benefit and for His glory. That we would not take the Lord's day for granted. That we would indeed love coming to worship Jesus on on the Lord's day. That Fridays would be as As John MacArthur says, the crowning joy of our week. That is my prayer. That we would look forward to Friday so we can engage our minds towards God. So that we would enjoy His people. So that we would bask in His presence. So that we can corporately drink from His word. We can give our talents and our resources and encourage and be encouraged and to offer praise. I really do pray that we as a church are desiring that, that we are wanting that, that we are committed to that even more now than ever before. Remember, the measure of your love for God is the measure of the joy you get in focusing on Him on the day of rest. I said last week that God's purpose for His creatures is to glorify Him, and enjoy Him forever. We only glorify God when we find true joy in Him. If you do not know this joy, and you, like the the Pharisees, see the Lord's day as a, a burden, or the Lord's day as a miserable obligation, then you need to humble yourself this morning to what the Scriptures are saying, to what the Spirit of God is saying to you. Be honest this morning. Be honest with yourself. If you have found yourself wanting to be somewhere else rather than in church because you are are not enjoying God and the Lord is convicting you this morning, there's a heart problem. You need to get right with the Lord. Take this time to repent of your sins. Repent of, of loving the things of the world more than the Lord of the Lord's day. And to all our unbelieving friends listening this morning, I hope that you see the grace of God here. This is not just a, a, moralist, a moralistic lesson, this is not just a, 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 Pharisee, a Pharisee's traditional teaching here. See the grace of God offered to you this morning through His Son Jesus Christ. Christ does not say, Follow these rules and you will be okay. Or follow this ritual and you will make it into heaven. Or keep these 19,000 traditions and I will show you mercy. No, it's the opposite. It's completely the opposite. Jesus says, I have done the work. Jesus says, I want you to trust my finished work on the cross. I want you to rest in me. That's what the Sabbath is all about. Trust me love me, enjoy me, be reconciled to me, surrender your life to me. Glorify God by enjoying Him. and We will find that peace that passes all understanding. Pray with me this morning. Father, this was a hard passage to preach this morning. I really struggled this week putting this together. But thank you, Lord, that you have shown us how appropriate this application is for us today. And I do pray, Lord, that there are people amongst us who are, who are sitting in their lounges, watching this broadcast online, and really missing the corporate gathering of the believers. And thank God for those people, Lord. Thank God that you have put us together in a body, a body of believers that we can be a part of. We don't have to live our Christian lives alone. We can have brothers and sisters that love us, that care for us, that serve us, that pray for us, that minister to us because of the blessing of the local church. And we miss that, Lord Jesus. We miss that. There is pain, Lord. There is, a, there is a sadness in our hearts that we cannot be together. And we long for that day. We do ask, Lord, that you would help us to be patient during this time, but that we would also be learning during this time, Lord, that we wouldn't waste these lessons that you have for us, especially as we come to this passage this morning, especially as you have taught us this passage this morning. Forgive us, Lord, we, we have taken the Lord's day for granted. Forgive us for when we have gone to church thinking that it's a burden, wishing that we didn't have to be there, wishing that the sermon was shorter so that we could just get out and enjoy ourselves. Forgive us, Lord, for that, where we have thought that the Lord's day was a burden. Oh, Lord, please open our eyes and open our hearts this morning to what the Spirit is teaching us. If there is a hard attitude that we need to change, I pray that you would grant repentance this morning, Father. There are people amongst us who have been like the Pharisees, sitting in church, going through the motions, just doing the rituals on a a Friday in church. I pray that you convict their hearts this morning and save them, Lord. Save them from this legalistic mindset that they are entrapped in, Lord. Show us again afresh your grace as we respond to you this morning, Lord Jesus. As we respond... In our song, we pray this week, Lord, that we would look forward and prepare our hearts for the next Lord's Day, and we would be intentional so people around us would see that you are indeed our greatest joy, that you are indeed worthy of our love, worthy of our affection, worthy of our praise. We ask this prayer in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please join us in song as we respond to the Lord in our, in our last song together this morning.